The 55th big game is this weekend, Super Bowl 55. A game this big deserves a big prize, not just some trophy. To finish off the football season, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is giving all players a no-brainer of an offer. To celebrate football's finale, DraftKings Sportsbook is doubling your money if a touchdown is scored in the big game this weekend. That's right. All it takes is for one touchdown to be scored Sunday night between the Kansas City Chiefs and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady, two of the best quarterbacks in the league. All it takes is for one of them to score one touchdown. Doesn't even have to be them. If one touchdown is scored in the big game, boom, your money is doubled. That is a no brainer. As if this game wasn't reason enough to party. With double the cash, you'll be celebrating until next season. Don't forget about DraftKings Big Game Prediction Challenge with up to $55 million in total prizes up for grabs and instant prizes for everyone who enters the contest. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to its players since 2012, so they know a thing or two about big paydays. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to get a shot at doubling your money if a touchdown is scored in Sunday's game. That's promo code THPN to get a shot at doubling your money during Sunday night's season finale only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network and sponsored by DraftKings Sportsbook. Use promo code THPN when you sign up for access to exclusive offers. You know, I had a plan for today's show, talking about the game, talking about the updates on the injuries, and in the last hour or so, everything's been pretty much turned on its head when it comes to COVID in the NHL. Every notification I have gotten on my phone in seemingly the last 20 minutes have been entirely COVID-related, and unfortunately, it does involve the Colorado Avalanche in this case. The Minnesota Wild reportedly have six dozen more players on the COVID-19 protocol list and Tyson Jost has been added to that protocol list as well. And as of right now, there are 40 NHL players on the COVID-19 protocol list, including almost the entire New Jersey Devils team. I think that's up to 20 now, which I think takes up half that list. But it's not looking great. So as of right now, the time I am recording this, Wednesday night, the game against the Minnesota Wild is still on. It has not been canceled yet, but that could very well change before I even finish recording tonight. And by the time this goes up tomorrow, we 
might we might be looking at not playing a game until Arizona. We have no answers yet. As of right now, Tyson Jost is the only player on the Avalanche in COVID protocol. That does not mean he tested positive. That means he has to isolate some. He might have had contact with someone who had it, most likely a member of the Minnesota Wild. The six Minnesota Wild place players currently on the list right now are Nick Bugstad, Nick Benino, Joel Erickson Eck, Marcus Foligno, who's been on the list for a little bit, Marcus Johansson, and Jared Spurgeon. And if I'm not mistaken, five of those players played last night. And last I checked, hockey is a contact sport. So Tyson Jost being the only member of the Avalanche to be put on protocol is welcome, but surprising to me at the same time. Maybe we're just getting extraordinarily lucky. Maybe those guys don't actually have the virus and they are in protocol out of an abundance of caution. Maybe that's the case here, but I mean... I'm I'm pulling stuff out of my ass here. I've this is a situation developing as I record right now. This has only started to happen in the last 20 minutes. And as of right now, there is a hockey game tomorrow against the Minnesota Wild, the fourth and final of the four-game series. I I don't have an answer as to whether or not that will be the case soon. I hope it I hope it stays up. I hope we can play tomorrow. But even in the best case scenario, the Wild are going to be down six players and not, and not nobody's either. I mean, those are all very important players. I mean, Jared Spurgeon, their friggin' captain, and for the Avalanche, that's going to be another player unavailable. Tyson Jost going to be out of the lineup and that brings the avalanche i'm gonna count it as an injury just group it with all the others that brings their injury total to i believe seven and that includes nathan mckinnon and everyone else who's been on the list for a little while but we do have some updates on the injuries across the team and to save my breath they are all week to week every single one of them the clearest answer we have is on Nathan McKinnon and Devontae's. Nathan McKinnon is expected to be out one or two weeks, and Devontae's is expected to be out seven to ten days. So by the time we play Arizona, either the first or second time, we should have Devontae's back. Nathan McKinnon, maybe not, but we should have him back either in the beginning of the Vegas series or in the middle of it. It's a possibility that the next time we see Nathan McKinnon on the ice is the outdoor game in on Lake Tahoe against the Vegas Golden Knights. That is February 20th. So if that's the case for Nathan McKinnon, he would miss. Assuming tomorrow's game against the Wild happens, again, no idea right now, but as of right now, it's happening. That would be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games missed for Nathan McKinnon. It'd be one against the Wild, two against the Blues, two against the Coyotes, and two against Vegas in Vegas. 
that's gonna be rough. And for Devontae's, if it's seven days, he might be back against Arizona. Maybe the first, maybe the second game. He also maybe not at all. And we might see him back in the Vegas series. It's a rough situation for the Avalanche right now, dealing with injuries and now potentially a positive test or protocol. I mean, I don't know how all of the intricacies work when it comes to protocol, but hopefully the league can get this under control soon or it just works itself out because they're getting hammered by it. I mean, two games were postponed on Tuesday, the Penguins and Devils, the Islanders and Sabres. Now tomorrow's game against the Wild, obviously, in jeopardy. Vegas hasn't played in a hot minute. I hope it doesn't get to a point that things have to be shut down for a little while just to get things to slow down. I don't think we are ever going to get to a point where the season is canceled or postponed for months like it was last season. And the way the season is structured by having teams only play within their division and not traveling across the country and yada, 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 it prevents it from getting so out of hand that it's if there is a massive outbreak, it is only contained to a division and not the entire league. But if all divisions are having issues playing games, I think it could possibly eventually come to a scenario where it gets paused for maybe a week or two. But I think that is worst case scenario, and I don't think it's going to happen. Things, w- things would have to get ugly for the league for that to happen. Like, we're talking almost every team is postponed. Like, in a, game, in a day where there's going to be 10 games, only two are being played. Maybe then we can look at it. We're not there yet, but the NWHL, they just shut down their playoffs just, I believe, a few days before the the finals because of positive tests in their bubble. And I know it's not at all the same situation, but it's a thing that we have to pay attention to right now. This is, unfortunately, the reality of the season that we have to deal with, like I said before the season. This is not just going to never not be a problem for the league this season. It's always going to be the case until this is no longer a thing at all. This is going to be a problem. Same as every other league, same as every other person right now. So hopefully we can get out of this funk and get every game up and moving again. Hopefully tomorrow's game against the Wild goes ahead as scheduled. Hopefully no one is suffering any ill effects of testing positive. Hopefully there's really minimal positive tests at all, and hopefully the majority of these are just out of contact because that's just about the best we can hope for right now. It's just something we all have to deal with right now, unfortunately, and hopefully we'll be out of it soon. That's all I can really say about it. So moving on from the glumness of that and of the unfortunate reality of this season. Last night, the Colorado Avalanche survive without Nathan McKinnon and defeat the Minnesota Wild 2-1. This was a 
gutsy win. This was a tough win to pull off for several reasons. The depth comes through in this game. Logan O'Connor, Val Nichushkin with the goals. The Wild made them work for it, and didn't help that the Wild had the officiating on their side. I will get into that later because I know it's going to make me mad and I'm going to go off about it. But just starting with the game, just the game for now. Obviously, no Nathan McKinnon, no Devontae's, no Eric Johnson, no Pierre-Edward Belmar, no Matt Calvert. Colorado very, very shorthanded coming into this one. Jacob McDonald, Colorado native, makes the start for his favorite childhood NHL team. Bit of a story coming into the game. Great to see him play, and he played a, he played pretty well in this one. I gotta say, he really I I didn't notice him, and for a defenseman on the third pair, that's pretty good. I will take that any day, honestly. 26 years old, second NHL game, played last year in Florida for two games, so guy's 27 years old, he's not going to blossom into anything spectacular, but I am interested to see that he took the extra defenseman spot from Greg Patteron. I guess Jared Pednar is not at all impressed with Greg Patteron's performance in the three games he played after being traded for Ian Cole, and I can't blame him because Greg Patteron was very, very bad. But great to see Jacob McDonald get into the lineup and not play terribly. That's really all we need from Jacob McDonald if he ever comes into the lineup. Just don't suck. Just be competent. And that's what he was. So the first period, this game, overall, this game outside of a few moments was one of the least like interesting and noteworthy of the season game started off a bit slow but it was the fourth line that did eventually get the abs on the board after they had to kill off a penalty logan o'connor gets his second nhl goal he banks one off talbot a hard working goal just a greasy goal what you need from your fourth line just bang and crash get to the net and throw pucks at the net maybe you'll get lucky and He did. Logan O'Connor, second goal of the season. Fourth line comes through. Great to see. And was it lucky? Yeah. Well, you know what? So is basically every goal in the NHL, so shouldn't argue. Logan O'Connor has been pretty solid so far in the few games we've seen of him. He's he's pretty nasty to play against. Definitely someone you want to have on your fourth line. He's not like a plug. He could definitely stick around for a little bit. He's still just 24 years old. He could carve he could carve out a nice little role for himself and at very least audition for next year when there is inevitably going to be some openings on the depth on offense for the Avalanche and I hope he does. I like the way he plays. I like the way this fourth line looks right now. It's basically no one from the opening roster. It's Logan O'Connor, Sheldon Drees and Kiefer Sherwood. Sheldon Drees, I wasn't a huge fan of last night. I mean, he took a penalty like two minutes into the game, and I mean, I guess he, I guess he was okay. Outside of that, Kiefer Sherwoods looked pretty solid. I mean, I've got really nothing negative to say about him. And it's your fourth line, and it's great to see Logan O'Connor getting on the board twice in three games already. I wouldn't expect that to at all be sustainable, but 
when your entire fourth line is basically out, it's good that your replacement fourth line can get something done. And we get to the second period, bit quiet to start out. Avs kill off a penalty, and then Valerie Nachushkin puts on the rebound of a Tyson Jost shot to make it 2 to nothing. Avs look like they're in control a bit, and you could see this they were starting to get pretty careless with the puck, and they started to suffer because of it. But that's not the reason the Wild got on the board in this game. The reason the Wild got on the board in this game and I'm just, I'm just going to set the stage here and come back to it later so I can finish talking about the game because I know I'm going to get worked up about this when I start talking about it. Kale McCarr takes a hard hit from Kyle Rau. It's a charge. It should be a penalty. It wasn't called. JT Kompfer, who was put up on the top line with Nathan McKinnon out and punching way above his weight class playing on the top line, but he played pretty well. He comes in and answers the bell for McCarr and beats the brakes off of him. You don't touch our star player. You don't touch the young guy. Nothing wrong with that. Kompfer and Rao go to the box. Kompfer gets two minutes for unsportsmanlike conduct. The Wild go on the power play. Kirill Kaprasov scores, and it's now 2-1. to one. And I will come back to that. I promise I'm going to finish the game first before I come back to that. And fortunately, not a whole lot after this. The score stays the same. The Avalanche hold on in a chippy third period. Philip Grubauer holds the fort once again with another spectacular performance by him. He just, he's been the team MVP so far, in my humble opinion. Philip Grubauer has been absurdly excellent so far this season. He's He has one of the highest goals against averages in the league at 1.67, has a 9.34 save percentage, and two shutouts. He's played nine games, only lost two of them. That was game one against St. Louis. Didn't play great, but the Avs only scored one goal, and that was the 3-1 loss to the Ducks when John Gibson played out of his mind, and it wouldn't really even have mattered how well Grubauer played in that game. He's been absurd. He is one of the best in the league right now. You can argue he's one of the best at least in the West Division. Hopefully he can keep this up throughout the season because we probably are going to need him to. Before I circle back to the Kale McCarr hit, I do want to talk about Grubauer. And he's playing great. And something I brought up last episode... But he's played nine games already. The Avalanche have played 11 games. And Hunter Miska has started the other two games and hasn't looked great. When Philip Grubauer is in the net, you are confident that he is going to stop pucks that he should stop. When Hunter Miska is in net, every time a puck is thrown to the net, I hold my breath. Because he just isn't comfortable in the net yet. And at a certain point, you need to not play Krubauer every night. But if when Hunter Miska goes in, you're not confident in your goalie, you need to go find someone else. Now, Hunter Miska has now gone on to the taxi squad, and Adam Warner has been called up to the main squad to be the backup for right now. Who knows when we'll see him in the NHL. 23 years old, 2016 
draft pick. He played two games last season for the Avalanche, posted a 9-14, incredibly small sample size, absolutely nothing we can draw from that. Played in the AHL last season as well, 31 games, 909 save percentage, and played five games this season with, I am going to butcher this name, this is a league, Hockey Alsvenskan. Hockey Alsvenskan. Not entirely sure what that, I think that's Swedish, but I could be entirely wrong. He played five games with them, 862 save percentage. At this point, you are calling up Adam Warner and praying for a miracle. I'm not saying Hunter Miska has been awful because he's he's not been awful. It's not like the team couldn't win with Hunter Miska in net. It's just you need better. He's not an NHL caliber goalie. And Adam Warner's younger, has two games of experience under his belt. And I think at this point, you're just hoping that other teams don't have a lot of tape on him and he can be confident enough in his ability to stop pucks. That's all you can hope for at this point, because Grubauer's playing excellent, but he can't play every single night. He can't play every night until Franco's comes back. He will get hurt eventually, not just because of his injury history, but because being a goalie is a tough job. Like, the amount of stress that it puts on your body, especially your your hips and your legs and your groin, to stretch out all these weird ways. If you take one muscle tweak you're done. You can't move the same. And we don't need that in a shortened season and eventually heading into the playoffs. We need Grubauer to be healthy and we need someone to take the pressure off of him at a certain point. So he's been great. He's been the team MVP in my opinion. I have nothing to complain about with him, only that he's playing too much. I hope, I mean, he is the starter and he's going to play most nights, but there seems to be no real alternative at the moment until Franco's comes back not not blaming anyone like injuries happen and it sucks and Franco's hasn't even been able to get into the lineup yet and that sucks and we're just finding out what hunter miska is he's played two games not that impressive not god awful never put this man in the nhl again he has potential still but he's not there yet we'll see what we have with adam warner but if adam warner it gets a two-game sample size and such and doesn't impress, you might have to look elsewhere. What does that look like? I got no clue, but hopefully Franco's can be back sooner than later. He is week to week. We don't have a specific timetable yet, but someone needs to take this pressure off of Grubauer because he's been great. If he keeps it up, he might even get Vesna talk eventually. Way too early to talk about that, but the pace he's playing at, if he keeps it up, he will get it. Consideration, not saying he'll win, but if he keeps playing like this, he will get the consideration. Okay, I've put it off long enough. I'm going to talk about the Kyle Rau hit on Kale McCarr that eventually led to the Minnesota Wild goal. You see, the NHL is not a very smart league. I think we all know this. It's not great. They don't really know what they're doing a lot of the time. And this really got under my skin last night to see this. Kyle Rao, who I have never heard of before last night, I, I consider myself to be pretty knowledgeable about hockey, about other teams, about the league as a whole. I have never heard of this man until last night. 
It is his second NHL game. Kyle Rowell lines up Kale McCarr, skates basically from the bench to McCarr, doesn't stop skating at any point, and runs him into the boards. Two penalties were committed on this play. He charged him, and he boarded him. JT Kompfer, seeing this, goes up and fights Kyle Rau, and he beats up Kyle Rau. He body slams him to the ice. If the refs didn't step in, he would have pounded his face into the ground. And what comes out of this play is that Kyle Rau gets nothing for the hit on Kale McCarr, the Avalanche's best player, and JT Kompfer gets the extra minor because he instigated the fight. Are you fucking kidding me? That is a complete joke. Kyle, I said this when it happened, is that if you are Kyle Rao and you see Kale McCarr battling for a puck along the boards, what stops you from going the length of the ice and trying to obliterate him, no matter if it's clean or dirty or a penalty or not? What stops you? The NHL apparently actively encourages it. The NHL does not give a shit about their star players, and they don't give a shit about player safety in general. We have seen this numerous times from the player safety department itself. I mean, just last week, I was looking at it. We're two weeks into the season, last time I checked, and they had seven tweets entirely, and only one of them was about an actual suspension. And... Kevin Fiala of the Minnesota Wild was suspended during this series because of a hit he laid on one of the Kings players. So that brings us to a grand total of two suspensions in the season so far. The NHL does not give a shit about player safety, and the officials, they did not care at all about what happened and it it blew my mind watching it and to watch the wild score on the power play and get back in this game because of an illegal hit and having their guy get crushed by JT Comfer in a mutually agreed upon fight it is not like JT Comfer grabbed him from behind and jumped him they agreed to the fight Comfer kicked his ass fair and square he, ans he answered for the hit. It's not like he was grabbed from behind, and Comfort gets the instigator penalty. So, based on this, any fourth-line plug in the league, if you see the other team's best player on the ice, and you can line him up across the ice, take a charge, run right through him, apparently you should just go for it. The NHL wants you to do that. You might even be rewarded with a power play. Like, it blows my... It blows my mind, just how little the NHL cares about player safety. And I will get to just how awful these officials were in this game as a whole after this point, because I despise officials in general in sports because they ruin them, but I'll get to that down the line. This hit was a joke. It wasn't a suspendable hit. It's not like he lined up his head, but it was a penalty. In fact, it was two penalties. I'd be fine if one was called because that's how low my standards are now. He charged him across the ice. He did not stop at any point. 
He did not try to slow down and glide through the hit like you're supposed to and like you're taught to, and he drove him into the boards. He drove his head into the boards, an unsuspecting player. That is a boarding call. So why, out of this, are the Minnesota Wild on the power play? What explanation for that makes any sense? JT Comfort gets an instigator penalty for defending his star player who just took an illegal hit. And I'm also pissed off because of the insane amount of mixed messages this sends. So you're going to let Kyle Rao run Kale McCard, the Avalanche's arguably best player not named Philip Grubauer right now with Nathan McKinnon out, who broke Ryan Hartman's ankles embarrassingly earlier in this game, walking circles around the Minnesota Wild. Okay, so you're going to let Kyle Rao take a run at him, and you're not going to make a call. So what you're saying there is that you want the players to police the game. Okay, well, here comes JT Comfer to police the hit and make Kyle Rao pay for hitting their star young defenseman. Oh, but they don't want you to do that either. Now you go to the box for two minutes for un unsportsmanlike conduct, for instigating the fight. So you don't want players to police the game. So what the fuck are you trying to do here? What is it you say you do here when you skate around on the ice? What goes through your brain? Why did the Minnesota Wild, after laying this hit, get an opportunity to get back in this game? They got their only goal of the game after this hit. That it's the kind of play you're trying to get rid of. You're, you, don't, you don't want charging. It's in the rule book that you don't want it. So is boarding. Yet the wild were rewarded for doing it. So what are we doing here? Are we trying to make the game safer? Are we trying to care about player safety? Are we trying to get rid of certain hits? Because the message I have seen that was sent after this was that Kyle Rao did a good thing, and he galvanized the Wild, and they saw him as their hero in this game. If they won the game last night, all we would see is how Kyle Rao's hit on Kale McCarr changed the tide of the game, and how happy Wild fans would be, and I'm sure the coach would be praising him, and the players would be praising him. The only reason that it's not is because they did not win the game. And that's, that's crazy. That's crazy. That the refs, like, not even the fact that they didn't call anything on Rao, maybe they didn't see it. But the fact that Comfer got a penalty for defending his guy and they give him a bullshit instigator penalty is beyond absurd to me. Pick one. Just pick a lane. Do you want players to police the game or do you care about player safety enough to make those calls? And you know what? Even if they did both. They call Rao and give comp for the two minutes. Okay, then it's even. Whatever. I'd still be kind of mad because Comfort is just defending his guy after a bad hit. Don't give him an instigator. But then at least it's even. And the Wild aren't getting an unfair advantage out of it. And my gripes with the officiating don't even end at this hit. This was one of the... This was the worst officiated game I've seen this season. I mean... It's, you, you hear all the time this is the worst officiated game I've ever seen. I, I don't even think this ranks because of the amount of jokes of officiating I have seen in the NHL over the years. 
This probably doesn't even rank, but when it comes to the 11-game sample size of this season, this is the worst. After this hit, they were letting the Wild get away with basically every infraction known to man. They called them for one more penalty after this. I mean, I can just name the egregious egregious examples. Ryan Suter trips Tyson Jost by the net. He, his stick is in his skate. Ryan Suter is staring at Tyson Jost, who is on the ground with Ryan Suter's stick in his skates. And you see in the replay, the puck rolls behind them. Correct me if I'm wrong, but how how does a referee not see that if their job is to police the game? The puck is going right behind them. You should be watching that puck, correct? You see the stick in the skate. Even if you didn't see the initial trip, and you know what? I'll admit, I didn't see it live, but I did see him on the ground with Suter's stick in his skate. Are you not watching the puck? Do you not see it? You don't even need to see the trip. His stick is in his skates. I'm pretty sure you can use some context clues and piece together what might have happened and make the call. Oh, but, oh, that's not even the worst one. That's not even the worst one. Miko Rantanen, who outside of Kale McCarr is the other star player for the Avalanche in this game, because Nathan McKinnon is not there, and Brad Hunt throws his knee out at Miko Rantanen as he's skating with the puck. Like this, like this is blatant, clear as day. He sees him with the puck. He skates at him, knee out, leg out, sends Rantanen in the air, like both feet off the ground, skates pointing towards the ceiling. The ref is right behind it and does not make a call. Like, just, what is it you say you do here? What do you do? What is your job? And, like, in fairness to the referees, they let the avalanche get away with things here. But you know what? I don't care. I don't. What is your job? Your job is to call infractions as they happen. You have a rule book. The NHL has made these rules that they would like you to call when they happen in the game to prevent teams from getting an unfair advantage. When you see a penalty happen, just call it. Just call the fucking penalty. I don't care. Like, you have a rule book, just call it. Like, I don't understand, like, oh, make up calls and, oh, let the players play. No, you, you get paid to do this. You get a paycheck to do your job. And you're deciding not to for just a number of, first of all, biased reasons. Like, oh, okay, well, we gave the Avalanche this penalty, so now we have to give the Wild this penalty. Like, that is such a backwards-ass way of thinking when you're a referee. Just do your job. If a team is committing 20 penalties a night, call them. Just call the penalties. And I understand that referees are human and they're going to miss things. But that, the Miko Rantanen knee, is happening right in front of you. It is happening right in front of you. You can see it. I know you can see it. You're actively deciding not to call it. And I cannot for the life of me understand why. And if you don't see it, you shouldn't be a ref. Like, very, very clearly. Like, they are maybe eight feet between Brad Hunt, Miko Rantanen, and the official. 
if you're not seeing that, I understand the puck's right there and you're watching the puck, but the puck is not going to commit any penalties. No one has the puck right now because Miko Rantanen was just upended into the sky. You don't need to be watching the puck. There is no penalty that the puck is going to commit. You need to watch the players, man. I do not like officials in sports. I think they ruin them. I think they ruin hockey. I think they ruin football. I think they ruin baseball. I think they ruin basketball. I think they ruin soccer. I think they ruin every sport known to men. They make these awful calls that change the direction of games. Things that are outside player control, coach control, they changed the course of the game. And while it ultimately didn't matter in terms of the result tonight, the refs changed the direction of this game in the favor of the Wild. Because a no-call game where just everything goes and nothing's getting called favors the Wild in this situation. They are not as skilled as the Avalanche, and their best hope is to bring them down with a physical game, and if you're not going to call penalties, that just gives them free reign. So you look at this, Kyle Rowell, second NHL game, takes a run at Kale McCarr, no penalty, gets his ass kicked, draws a penalty for getting his ass kicked, and the Wild score on that power play. And then later in the third period, Brad Hunt knees Miko Rantanen straight up, sends him ass over tea kettle into the air, and nothing. Why? It, like, it, it was a certain point late in the third period where it's just like, I couldn't believe what I was watching, that the Wild were getting away with these. It didn't even look like they were trying to play normal hockey anymore. And they were letting them get away with it. And ultimately, the Avalanche won this game. It was a gutsy, gutsy win. I mean, they, they had everything working against them between the officials and injuries. Like, they still got it done. And it was a great great win for them but oh my lord was i was i was i was getting red like how frustrating it was to watch this game after the kale mccarr hit by god <clears throat> by kyle rao and it changed the course of the game like there's nothing i can't stand more than when a game is changed by the officials not because like teams are committing a lot of penalties and they're undisciplined. When the officials are actively bad at their jobs and change the course of the game. You see it all the time. It is not an NHL-exclusive problem. This happens in every league across the world, to professional, to peewee. This happens everywhere, and it's crazy. And the problem is, is that there really there is no incentive to be good at your job as a referee. Like, you see these awful calls made all the time. Do you ever see any discipline for it? What's the biggest discipline you have ever seen for an official? I'll give you a second to think about it. I can't name one. I can't name a time that I have seen officials be bad at their job and actually have to suffer a consequence for it. You know what we need? We need officials to be interviewed after games. I'm not saying, like, they need to be fired and lose their jobs like i they just need to ex i want to hear them explain it i want to hear them questioned about it like if the, 
if you're gonna change the course of the game and make yourself an integral part of the game, you should be treated like everybody else. You should be treated, if a player has a shitty game, he has to go before the press and explain what happened. If a coach loses a game, eight to nothing, and clearly his players are unprepared, and yada, yada, yada. He has to go before the press and explain what happened. Referees do not. They get to show up and leave. They can, they can make as many bad calls as they want. They will be on the ice the next game. There is no punishment. There's no incentive to be good. You don't have to be. I think that's the overall problem here. It's like, you look at the MLB. Angel Hernandez has a job, still. Now, I don't think it's controversial to say that guy is the worst official in sports, and we all know this, and he still has a job. He currently still has a job, and he's going to have one when baseball starts in the next few weeks. There's no incentive to be good at your job. You can change the outcomes of games, and nothing will happen. You know, and if you if you yell at a ref for making a shitty call, oh well, that's a penalty. You can't question us. We are the authority here. Oh, you're, it's the NFL, and the coach just told me that's a shitty call. That's a 15-yard penalty. Oh, the Avalanche just told me that my call sucks. Oh, well, that's that's two minutes. If you do it again, it's five. Like this is what I mean: unlimited authority for officials in sports, and having to answer to nothing makes them ruin it. If you just made a little bit of an incentive, like just, I have to explain myself for two minutes, just two minutes after the game for some calls that I made during this game and what I saw on the ice, it might make them think twice and might make them pay attention just a little bit more. That's all I'm suggesting. That's it. I'm not saying anyone should lose their jobs, maybe outside of Angel Hernandez, but no NHL referee do I see and I'm like, I want them fired they're they're terrible no i i want them to be held accountable because this is nuts and this is not because of this game i have had this thought for years i you see play you see playoff series changed by officials and nothing is done about it they bring the same guys back they implement no safeguards like it just it gets on my nerves so much to see officials ruin games and like i said this one does not rank because it ultimately did not change who won the game in the end but there will be a time whether it's for the avalanche or for another team that it will and it's already happened a lot this season i just can't name them off the top of my head you get to the playoffs every single year you don't just see one you don't just see two you don't just see three you see multiple horrible calls in the playoffs that change the course of the game and that outcome of the game ultimately changes the outcome of the series. I don't know about you guys, but when I tune in to watch the NHL, you know, I when I tuned in to watch the Avalanche play the Wild last night, I was watching for Kale McCarr and Miko Rantanen and Kirill Kaprasov. I was not watching to see how the officials were going to influence the game today. So, I think I've gone on long enough about how officials ruin sports and how this game was a joke. 
But I'm going to leave it at that because I'm sure at some point there's going to be another horribly officiated game that is going to bring this out of me again later. So that is enough of that. And to wrap up today, we have official news on tomorrow's game against the Minnesota Wild. Or should I say there was a game against the Minnesota Wild tomorrow. There is no longer. The Minnesota Wild have postponed their next four games, and obviously that includes the one tomorrow against the Colorado Avalanche. But this does not mean the Avalanche's games are postponed at all, except the one against Minnesota. The Avalanche will be back in action on Saturday to face the St. Louis Blues. Saturday and Sunday, back-to-back against the Blues. Nothing has changed there. The Blues... It's a bit of a lucky break for them that the Avs don't have to postpone anything because they've had to deal with it with Vegas already. So we see St. Louis, then we see Arizona, and there's no word on when we will see the Wild again, when this game will be postponed to. There are certain breaks in the schedule where it could fit. I mean, it's not going to happen in February, I can tell you that. The earliest I could see this happening is there is a three-day break between playing the Kings and, as fate would have it, the Wild, there is, you can have, oh, we're on a, my God, in March, we are on a massive homestand. I did not even realize this until right now. What is this? Five, eight games in a row at home? So you play the Kings on the 12th and 14th, and then the Wild on the 18th and 20th. You stick the Wild game on March 16th. Because the, the Wild are already coming. And after this, they don't have to go anywhere. So they stay here for three games, and that takes care of that. The other one I could see is there is a four-day break in April between playing the Ducks on April 11th and the Kings on April 16th. I'm sure you could throw a game with the Wild in there on maybe the 13th or 14th. Actually, you play the Wild twice in the week before on the 5th and 7th. I could see that working as well. And ultimately, maybe they just throw it on at the end of the season as well. I mean, they they gave these breaks for a reason, but there's only so much room in the schedule. So hopefully this does not become a thing that has to be done often because it could become a mess. And you can see already that a lot of teams are having their already condensed schedules compressed even more. I mean, Dallas, right off the bat, like they had their early games canceled immediately. You look at their February. Next week, they play four games next week, and then four games again the next week, and then four games again the next week. They ha- they're they they're playing more games than they have off days. And those off days are not including practices. I'm sure they got to throw a practice in there somewhere. So... I really hope everyone on the Stars likes hockey, like, a lot, because they're going to be playing a lot of it, and they're going to be practicing a lot, and they're probably not going to be able to go home that often. Like, it's it's going to be rough, and as teams get their schedules compressed even more, I mean, we got to wrap up this season at some point in May. It's going to be rough for teams, and just hopefully it all gets under control Eventually, I mean, the devil, the devils are going to get hammered by it when their games eventually get announced again. So hopefully this all works itself out soon. And for the Avalanche, it's wishful thinking, but hopefully this is a one-time thing. I doubt it, but 
Hopefully it is. We can all just hope for the best here. Hopefully Tyson Jost ends up being all right. Nothing. Hopefully nothing serious. Maybe. Hopefully not even a positive test, and he just has to isolate for a week, and we'll see him back against Arizona. But it's out of out of anyone's hands now. So that'll do it for this edition of the Teledabs It Is podcast. Follow me on Twitter at GYoungsNHL and follow the show at Teledabs It Is. Thank you all so much for listening. There is no show without you guys. I've been your host, Griffin Youngs, and I will catch you all next time. <laughs>